3: Get enhanced security for your Wi-Fi network with Xfinity X5. If it's connected, it's protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit today. Restrictions apply. And welcome back to the MD Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, bringing you the Week 14 full preview today. Remember, no Part 1 and Part 2 for this particular week because I am not going to be available tomorrow, unfortunately. And because the MD Fantasy Football Show is a one-man production, yours truly, I can't just tap somebody in the cover for me on Friday. So this, instead of being a Part 1 and a Part 2 where you get the updated information, updated injury information through the podcast on Friday, this will be the full preview for today, we're going over all of the games the Thursday night, the one o'clock, the four o'clock, the Sunday night, the Monday night games, all of the games today in week 14. Of course, I still have a start sit segment by the fans. I would never leave that out. So very uh definitely get some some compelling questions that a lot of you I think are going to have, or at least get you some ideas on what directions you may want to go in the first round of the playoffs, because that is what's here. ...for the Fantasy Playoffs. It is here in Week 14, the very first round, whether you play in a one-game elimination or if you play in those amateur hour leagues where you actually get two weeks for one round of playoffs... Either way, the playoffs are here for everyone alike in Fantasy, and that's what makes it so exciting this time of the year. Of course, it means we have a lot to go over since we have a full preview today, and there's a lot of injuries that we have to talk about as well for each one of these matchups. Now, because this is the playoffs, there's going to be certain players that you're going to notice I'm going to probably skip over, or I'm not going to go through as thorough of an analysis expectation for each player in each matchup, because I'm going for the players that are more likely than not to be on playoff teams. So I'll give you a quick little few tidbits on each player, but the ones I'm going to dive into will be the ones that are actually going to be affecting most of the playoff teams for fantasy football uh, in that way. So the podcast might be a little bit shorter because of that, but I want to make sure we're talking about the players that you guys who are listening actually care about because I'm going to go on the limb and say if you're not in the playoffs, you've probably sworn off fantasy football for the rest of the year. I know I would because I would be beside myself with anger if I was not in the playoffs right now watching the NFL. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the Thursday night matchup for tonight. Tonight's game is one of those typical Thursday night games where if it wasn't for fantasy football, who cares? The Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars, it's not going to be a spectacle by any sense of the means, but... Look, we have a football game tonight. There are some fantasy players involved. Not many, but some. And, of course, that's really the only reason to watch tonight's game. Because otherwise, this is probably going to be... It was 9-6 to the first time these two teams matched up. I would really be surprised if it wasn't something similar uh, to that final score here. Again, both teams who do not uh, score the ball unless they absolutely have to. And even then, a lot of times, they cannot get things going uh, on either side of the ball. So let's start off with the Jaguars. The only player of note we're going to talk about here is Leonard Fournette. He comes back off the suspension. If you've managed to make the playoffs with Leonard Fournette on your team, you've done a fantastic job with your fantasy football team because Leonard Fournette in a lot of leagues, either are first round or an early second-round pick, and he's pretty much gone the entire season without having him, and then he gets suspended again a week when you finally do get him and get him going, and he's performing at his RB1 rate, and then all of a sudden he gets himself suspended for the most pivotal, pivotal regular season game in Week 13, of course. So if you still manage to make the playoffs with Leonard Fournette on your team through all of that, I give you a round of applause because that is quite impressive on your part. And he's the only player of note to talk about on the Jacksonville Jaguars side of the ball. So, look, it's Tennessee Titans. It's in Tennessee. They're not the easiest run defense in the world, but they are not as dominant as they were in the beginning of... Of the season. So, and plus it's Leonard Fournette. He is a superstar. So, if you're in there, you're playing him as your RB1 or a very high end RB2, depending on where you took him in your draft and who else you would take it in that spot. But I expect Leonard Fournette to get the ball quite a bit in this game. I expect him to have a good opportunity to score. Uh, whether he gets 100 yards or not, I think is up for debate, and I would temper expectations. But I think 80 yards and a touchdown with some receiving work uh, with Cody Cluster under center, because I don't think it's going to be all TJ Yeldon coming in. He might might come in on like third down longs automatically but I don't think he's gonna come in on every single passing down Leonard Fournette will get some dump offs his way so he should be I think he will get a hundred yards from scrimmage I just don't know if he gets a hundred yards rushing in this particular game uh, and I do think he has a good chance to score as well that's all you need to talk about with the Jacksonville Jaguars if you're in the playoffs you're not trusting any of the wide receivers of course you're not playing Cody Kessler uh, if you want to talk about the defense fine it's a good matchup in the sense of Tennessee's offense is not great it's been playing better as of late they've been a little bit more aggressive but the Jaguars defense has woken up the past couple of weeks and they've been playing closer to up to snuff and they also usually play better when they have Leonard Fournette running the football and they're able to control the clock so the Jaguars I think have at least a decent floor because I don't think the Titans are going to score a lot in this game But the Jaguars are still struggling because they still haven't put up a lot of sacks. They still haven't put up a lot of turnovers. So I don't think they have a high ceiling if you're looking to play their defense this particular week. On the Titans' side of the ball... uh, Marcus Mariota has been a streaming quarterback, but I'm not going to trust it in this game. I guess the Jacksonville Jaguars is a tough matchup, and it's a game that could very easily be a 9-6 to game uh, because they already scored 9-6. to At max, the most points scored in this game I could see being 17-14. to That would be the most I would see out of this game, really, from either side of the ball. So I'm not streaming Marcus Mariota in this game of my first round of the playoffs. Deion Lewis, Derrick Henry. Look... Derrick Henry's out-carried Deion Lewis, but it still hasn't been a ton of work at the end of the day. It was 12 targets last week. It was only 8. Uh, I'm sorry, 12 carries. Last week was only 8 carries. Uh, so while he's been out-working Deion Lewis last couple of weeks on the run game, uh, it still hasn't been for a ton of volume, and he's still very much a touchdown-dependent flex player. Uh, With Deion Lewis, he has a little bit more value in the PPR leagues, but he has not been getting worked in nearly as much either. Now, this is a game where I suspect that the running backs will be at least more involved from a volume standpoint. What they're able to do with that in a tough matchup will be the question here. I, at the end of the day, would think that if I'm in the playoffs, I have better options than Deion Lewis or Derrick Henry to plug in my flex position because that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about RB2, we're talking about a a low end flex play here. Uh, but if you need, if you were in a position where you have to play one of these two, whatever the case may be, the expectation would be that Deion Lewis could be a. Decent floor flex play in a PPR league only and Derrick Henry is a touchdown dependent player in a game in which I don't know for sure if he actually gets the opportunity to get that goal line touchdown like he has for the past few weeks. I also don't love Corey Davis in this game. Uh, He's been a guy who's been a little bit on the rise. He's been getting a little bit uh more air yardage as of late, getting more targeted in the red zone. He's still a wide receiver three, and in this game, I think he's a touchdown-dependent wide receiver three. I don't think the volume's going to be there, uh, and I don't think the efficiency will be there. I think at most you're talking... Six to seven targets in this game at most. I think it's more likely it'll be closer between four and five. So with those numbers in mind for what the scenario may play out for this game in particular, uh, I don't like those odds for Corey Davis to find his way to the end zone. So if you can, I would bench Corey Davis this, this particular week. Uh, Titans defense is another defense a lot of people are going to be talking about. Kind of similar to the situation with the Jaguars defense. They have a high floor in a sense that the Jaguars are just, not going to put up a ton of points in this game, but the Titans are one of the worst teams in the league when it comes to generating turnovers, and they don't get a ton of sacks. They have to blitz in order to get pressure. That Jacksonville Jaguar offensive line is susceptible uh, to blitzing and, of course, letting up some pressure as well. Cody Kessler dumps the ball off so much, though, that I don't think they're going to get a ton of sacks to overcome the fact that the Jaguars are not going to be in a position with Blake Bortles out that they're going to actually turn the ball over a ton. So, I think the Titans are a, def- a defense that if you want to play and say you know they're not going to give up a ton of points and go for the safe route, I think you can play them in that sense. But don't expect a big ceiling for them. Don't expect a lot of sacks or turnovers to generate a lot of points out of your defense for this week. In our next matchup here, we have the Jets and we have the Buffalo Bills. The leading news of this game, of of course, is that the Bills cut Calvin Benjamin earlier on the week. He's actually taking a visit right now to, or took a visit earlier today to Kansas City Chiefs, which I thought was kind of interesting. I just thought it was really interesting they didn't wait till the end of the year to cut him. They went ahead and they just cut him outright right now. Look, they hadn't been utilizing him, and Zay Jones has actually been the receiver that Josh Allen has preferred to go to over the past couple of weeks. Now he's not fantasy relevant. I'm not trusting Zay Jones, and on that note, I'm also. not trusting Josh Allen. I know a lot of people have been talking of Josh Allen as a possible streaming quarterback, sleeper type of guy. Yeah, if you're playing in tournament leagues right now and you want to take a shot on Josh Allen against the Jets in in a tournament contrarian play, that I'm okay for. That, go for it. But if you're sitting here in a redraft leagues and you're in the playoffs right now, you cannot sit there and look me in the eye. You are going to be comfortable streaming Josh Allen as your quarterback in the playoffs. No way in hell. I don't care if they're playing the New York Jets. I don't care what the Bills did to the Jets the first game around. I am not streaming Josh Allen. Do not make that mistake. Do not sell your soul for a player who's not that good in the air and completely and utterly dependent on his rushing ability to be able to get you the fantasy points that you are looking for. The only question you have is whether or not you are going to play LaShawn McCoy. Now, look, his value hasn't changed all year long. He's been a volume based flex play. Say it with me, a volume based flex play. It should be burned into your brains at this point because that's all my analysis is on him because that's all he is. You know he's going to get a ton of touches. If he gets the opportunity, he may be able to do something with those touches, therefore making him a starting lineup player, but not somebody who I'm ever going to expect big things from and quite frankly, I'm never going to feel comfortable with. Even in a matchup against the Jets, even though this was the game in which LaShawn McCoy actually was able to get two touchdowns and go for over 100 yards for the only. Only time this season. I get all that. Chris Ivory was out in that game. I think that helped a lot because it made sure that LaShawn McCoy was getting touches within the red zone. You know Chris Ivory wasn't going to come in and take those away from him as well. So I do think that played a role in that particular week. That is not going to be the case this week. Chris Ivory is in. They've even been working in Marcus Murphy a little bit more the past couple of weeks as well. So if you have to play a Sean McCoy, and I don't think he has more value in a standard league or a PPR league, he's he's a volume-based flex play regardless of what format you are in. I think he has a decent floor against the New York Jets in this particular matchup. I think he's, thinking think in a PPR league, I think he's good for three catches in this game. Remember, Josh Allen doesn't go to him a ton, but I do think he could be good for three catches in this game. The Jets do let up some passes outside to the back. Uh, and I do think he would be good for at least 80 yards in this game. I think the question is going to be if you, to get you that ceiling, is he going to have a chance to score? I think he has a chance to score in this game more so than any other of his games but I'm still not going to feel incredibly comfortable about it. So you're playing him as a volume-based, safe-floor, flex play you know he won't dud you that much is for certain but what his floor and what his ceiling is is going to be completely dependent on whether he gets the opportunity to score or not and I I would really say it's less than a 50% chance that LaShawn McCoy will get the opportunity to score in this game because Chris Ivory is in there unless he's able to break one so that would be my take on LaShawn McCoy for this particular matchup on the New York Jets side of the ball Sam Darnold is going to get the start this week he is back uh, Isaiah Crowell though hurt his toe we've been hearing some reports about that over the past couple of days it looks like as of now on thursday he's going to be a game time decision on sunday so really not boating well for isaiah Crowell, who's already a very low end flex play at best anyway Uh, and just to keep you updated on the injuries robbie anderson went from uh full practice yesterday to a limited participant in practice today but it is expected to only be that it is uh Managing his reps at practice more so than is that he had a setback in any kind of capacity you're not trusting anybody in the jets passing attack at all in fact i wouldn't trust anybody on the jets whatsoever for fantasy for this week in the playoffs including their defense pretty much the pretty much one of the teams that are completely and utterly fantasy irrelevant at this point in the season. Our next game here we got the Carolina Panthers and we have the Cleveland Browns Carolina Panthers have have something they got to think about look cam Newton I know he's trying to pass off his shoulder as being fine. Uh, if you watch that Hail Mary pass at the end of the game, they wound up getting a redo because of it uh, because of a penalty, but if you watch that Hail Mary pass, I think that showed you all you need to know from what you 're seeing in the previous parts of that game, which was. There's something off about his shoulder. It's not that he's just gotten older. And I think that's on one of the announcers when you're watching the game we're trying to talk about like, oh well he's you know, he's not as young as he used to be. He's a little bit older now, he doesn't quite have the same zip. That was a lollipop rainbow throw that went absolutely nowhere. A jackpot throw that couldn't even reach uh, I think past the 10 or the 10 or the 15. It got nowhere near the goal line. His shoulder looked his his throwing motion looked off the entire game. I think that's partly the reason why he hasn't been that efficient in, in throwing the football over the past couple of weeks, especially in that game last week. Uh, it just didn't look right to me and the shoulder being sore and them coming out and this is the first time they've talked about that shoulder being sore in a while after a game I do think it is bothering him more than they are letting on now he has practiced in limited capacity the past two days but he did not throw the football in the part of practice that is open to the media this morning so something just to keep your eye on now he's going to play but he may not be up to snuff when it comes to throwing the football so I would not expect him to have great numbers against Cleveland that otherwise would be a pretty good matchup for throwing the football. Now, of course, with Cam, most of his value is based on his running game, and that will very much still be a part of his game and something you will be able to expect against Cleveland, which is why I think he has one of the higher floors of fantasy quarterbacks out there. And because he still has Christian McCaffrey, he can dump the ball off too. Yes, Greg Olson's on the IR now. He's gone, but they've gone through without Greg Olson before. Devin Funches comes back just in the nick of time. uh, Didn't have any setbacks last week, so he's able to come back. He'll have him target too. He's been targeting Curtis Samuel and DJ more and more, and of course, he still has Christian McCaffrey as a safety blanket, so he doesn't have to do a lot to get some numbers passing the game while his rushing attack. He's still QB1 with a very high floor, but I would limit your expectations as to what you think he's going to be able to get you through the air, therefore limiting his ceiling just a bit for fantasy this particular week. Of course, Christian McCaffrey is an RB1 and any type of format. He's been on a tear as of late and this is another great matchup against the Cleveland Browns here. Devin Funches, D.J. Moore, Curtis, Samuel, what do you do with these guys? Look, they're all wide receiver threes. D.J. Moore, Curtis, Samuel have a much higher ceiling than Devin Funches, but we've also seen... Now, that was the first game back for Funches, so I think he was still trying to get his legs under him, uh, but we've seen what happens when Greg Olson goes out. It gets, becomes a lot of targets to McCaffrey. comes, a lot of targets to Funches. Funches becomes the number one red zone threat uh, receiver that Cam is going to look to throw to as well. So I think he has more of an opportunity to score a touchdown DJ Moore Curtis Samuel are going to have more of opportunities to get more yardage to get more big plays. Which one of those two it's going to be is really the question. I think you could flip a coin and that coin would be right just as much as your guess would be. 50-50. It's going to go back and forth. It's going to very rarely are both of those guys going to go off and have big big plays. It's usually going to be one or the other. Curtis Samuel's been the hot hand as of now, so I would tend to lean his way if you're looking for a big play wide receiver 3 this particular week. But I wouldn't trust either one of them. I wouldn't trust Devin Funches. If I could put all the Carolina receivers on the bench and just play Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton... That is what I would do at the end of the day. But if you have to play one, if you have to play one, I would lean towards Devin Funches because I believe he'll get the added target volume of Greg Olson out, especially when it comes into the red zone. But I wouldn't feel great about it, and I just wouldn't trust which one out of DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel are going to be the ones to have the big play for the Panthers passing attack. On the Brown side of the ball, Nick Chubb has been an RB1 uh, while Carolina, on paper, shouldn't be the easiest team to run against, they have been getting gashed more consistently over the past month, uh, making it more of a appealing matchup than it was going into the month of November. So and the thing with Nick Chubb is that he's getting a ton of volume. I know last week he only got nine carries, but I also pointed out in the podcast when we were recapping that game back on Monday. Remember, if you want to listen to this episode or any other episodes, www.mdfantasyfootball.podbean.com iTunes, Simplecast, Radio Public, anywhere you go for your podcast needs, the MD Fantasy Show is available for you. Uh, We talked about that on Monday, how... uh, Chubb had didn't have less than 18 carries since Carlos Hyde has gotten traded before last week. So expect him to get his added volume back and going again. He still scored a touchdown in this game. He is a touchdown monster. He's a go-to guy. When they get inside a 10-yard line, they want to give Chubb the ball. whether it's And it doesn't even necessarily need to be rushing. It can be receiving as well. Duke Johnson hasn't practiced at all this week. They're saying he was out today because of personal reasons. There was some talk about he was a little bit nicked up after the Sunday Sunday game. So he might be a little bit injured as well. Uh, David Njoku, he's been a lot. He's been a guy who's been very popular on the fantasy community. As far as you know, who do I start at the tight end position? You're playing against Carolina, who gives up all kinds of touchdowns at the tight end on a constant basis. So that part's definitely appealing. And it was just two weeks ago that David Njoku had 63 yards and a touchdown on five catches. But then last week he comes back has three catches for eight yards. He's still kind of been limited by that knee. He was limited again in practice yesterday and today because of that knee injury. Look, David Njoku has a lot more upside than a lot of other tight ends out there. And against the Carolina Panthers, he does have the opportunity to score. And all it takes is one touchdown for you to be a top 10 tight end right now. So I do think the ceiling, the opportunity for David Njoku is most certainly there and applicable to him. But It depends on, of course, what you have. He has also probably one of the lowest floors, or I would say just as low of a floor as pretty much any other tight end out there, not named Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz, uh, really at the end of the day, which, you know, could be like zero to two points essentially. So there is that mixture you're going to have to figure out what it is you feel comfortable with and what is your situation at tight end. As far as receivers go, it's really quite of a pickle because Jarvis Landry is also a guy who's been on a lot of people's minds, uh, look, Jarvis Landry wasn't a wide receiver one or anything when you drafted him. He was supposed to be a high-end wide receiver two PPR leagues, and he had been that for the beginning part of the most of the season. But if you're able to make the playoffs and Jarvis Landry's on your team, you've been frustrated by Jarvis Landry all year long, and quite understandably so. And over the past month, he hadn't done anything until last week, where he finally gets six catches for over 100 yards, and, and finally, once again, led the team in targets. But, Consider the game flow situation of last week if you didn't see that game. Baker Mayfield threw three interceptions. Houston Texans got up big early on. They got the defensive touchdown, and they came down score off of those turnovers as well on offense. So they got down big. They did nothing but throw the ball, as we see with Nick Chubb only getting nine carries, which is also something we know doesn't normally happen very often. So what happens when Cleveland gets to come back to their game plan? And I do think against Carolina Panthers, it will be a competitive game. It is in Cleveland, which I do think helps the Browns out quite a bit. So if this is going to be a competitive game and the Browns are going to be able to do what they typically want to do on offense, that means give the ball to more than Nick Chubb, not throw quite as much. And if it goes back to that, well, we've seen what that happens since they've made the coaching change over the past month. Jarvis Landry hasn't been that involved. They keep lining, he's not lining up in the slot as much as he was. They keep having him on the perimeter because, you know, they just don't have a lot of talent at the wide receiver position right now, but Antonio Callaway has been more of an upside play than Jarvis Landry has. I don't know how you trust Landry at the end of the day, but I also because of who Jarvis Landry is and where you drafted him and where his position is on your team, I also understand it might be really, really hard to bench Jarvis Landry at this point uh, and during the fantasy playoffs as well. So, where is he at? Well, look, to me, I think Jarvis Landry is a wide receiver three at best. I think you're hoping, he, if he gets a lot of volume in PPR leagues, I do think he's a very solid flex play. This is a good matchup uh, where wide receivers are, do do very well against the Carolina Panthers, especially as of late. They're one of the top ten, top five teams, I, think, I believe, uh, right now in giving up fantasy. he points to wide receivers so it's a good matchup here he did get back to life a little bit last week but it was also not a game plan we've usually seen out of Cleveland since they made the coaching change last week either. So I would limit your expectations. I do think he is worthy of a flex play if you have not been able to cultivate better options up until this point. I'm not trusting anybody else. Antonio Callaway has seemed like he has shown some improvement. Uh, he's not dropping the ball quite as much. He's running a little bit better routes. But then as you saw last week, he makes a big play and he fumbles a ball. So the the stupid play that's still holding him back as a football player and as more importantly for us as a fantasy player uh, is still been in place so I'm still not trusting Antonio Callaway at the end of the day really with the Browns I feel good about playing Nick Chubb Everyone else is pretty much a question mark, and I'm only looking to play Landry or David Njoku. I'm not streaming Baker Mayfield uh, in this game either. He just doesn't have a high enough ceiling for me, and because he doesn't run as much as, say, the Lamar Jacksons or the Josh Allens, I don't know if he has the floor you're necessarily, look, necessarily looking for either. So Nick Chubb definitely playing. Jarvis Landry is a low-end flex play to me. David Njoku is a low-end streaming tight end option with the possibility of a touchdown as well. All right, so for our next game, game, we have another head scratcher in our next game. Falcons and the Packers. I mean, I don't know what to make of either one of these teams right now, more specifically on the offensive side of the ball, which of course is the side of the ball that we mostly care about as of right now. This is a game that could be a shootout. There's enough talent on the offensive side of the ball and enough lack of talent on the defensive side of the ball where this could be a shootout game. And if you asked me this at the beginning of the season, when you looked at this matchup, I would say, yeah, that's going to be a great shootout game for the, for the first round of the playoffs. But both of these offenses are lost right now. The Atlanta Falcons have been completely inefficient and inconsistent with their play calling and their and their production on the offensive side of the ball and just don't look to be in any kind of rhythm right now whatsoever. Julio Jones is a little bit banged up with his foot. He was... Very limited in today's practice and in saying that he didn't take part in individual drills, but he did go through the walkthrough portion of their practice today. He is expected to play on Sunday, but he's a little bit banged up and hindered. They haven't been going to the running backs nearly enough, and that's been their number one problem. I don't know if that's going to happen now because that's the one matchup where the Packers actually do do pretty well, which is going against uh, the running backs as of late. Uh, Calvin Ridley's a little bit limited, but he's been limited pretty much every single week to start the week. So I'm not worried about what his status is as far as his health goes for this game. But these are guys that all should have big games and it just haven't been efficient. What to expect of them. You don't know. Look, your start, you have to start Matt Ryan in this game. I don't know. It's, it should be on paper, a high ceiling game. It could be a shootout game. I don't know who you have. If you've had Matt Ryan all year, Unless you picked up, uh, picked up someone within the past month who you really like off the waiver wire because he has been struggling a little bit. I don't know if you have anybody else who's going to be better than Matt Ryan in this matchup to play. Tevin Coleman, I don't know how you play Tevin Coleman right now. They haven't been utilizing him enough, so it's not like you have the volume to fall back on to make up for the lack of production to think that he might get the opportunities this week. That has not been there, and since that has not been there, he hasn't produced at all. So I wouldn't sit here and think that you suddenly should play Tevin Coleman in this game. If anything, I'm doing everything I possibly can to bench Tevin Coleman for this matchup. Julio Jones, of course, you're playing with confidence, even with the offense struggling around him. Uh, the only thing that can hinder Julio Jones is if that foot injury is more serious than they are letting on and will hinder him when he is on the field. That's the only thing I would be worried about with Julio, but otherwise the opportunities will be there. Uh, the corners on Green Bay are terrible, especially against big physical wide receivers like Julio Jones, so he will be fine as your top-end wide receiver one. But Calvin Ridley, Mohamed Sanu, Austin Hooper. Look, Austin Hooper, I think you have to play him because he's, I mean, he scored a touchdown last week. The volume has been there pretty much all year long for Austin Hooper at this point. And given the, given the options at tight end, uh, there's nobody... There's Unless you have one of the top-end tight ends, there's nobody who I'm trusting more than the Austin Hooper this week. So you've got to play Austin Hooper. Calvin Ridley, Muhammad Sanu. This is where we're talking... Wide receiver three territory. What do you do? I'm benching Mohamed Sanu. First of all, to me, Sanu only has value in a PPR league because if somebody's going to score, it's more likely going to be Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Not saying Mohamed Sanu can't score, but it's not. The odds are not in your favor for that to be the case. So Mohamed Sanu, I'm keeping on the bench. Calvin Ridley. I would play in this matchup if I need to hit a home run out of my flex position. He will. I think he will have an opportunity to make a big play. I think he will have an opportunity to score in this game. So I do like Calvin Ridley as a, as a boomer bust wide receiver three that you plug in your lineup to try to hit a home run with. If you're in a position against somebody that you feel like you're going to have to hit a spark in order to overtake in your playoff matchup. So that would be it for the Atlanta Falcons. But I don't feel great about anything because the Falcons haven't been that great. Uh, haven't been that official on that side of the ball and the same thing goes for the Green Bay Packers they just fired Mike McCarthy but then fall a step short when they promote Joe Philbin to be the head coach it changes absolutely nothing and if I hear one more stupid ass expert say oh well he had his best season when Joe Philbin was the offensive coordinator it's the same fucking offense that has been the problem for the Green Bay Packers up until this point to begin with it's the same offense that got Mike McCarthy fired the same offense has been pissing off Aaron Rodgers the same offense that has apparently limited Aaron Rodgers from even being able to call audibles and change the play at the line of scrimmage, even though he's Aaron goddamn Rodgers it makes no sense I talked about it in the recap on Monday if If something is going to change if if anything positive is going to come out of Mike McCarthy being fired the only thing Joe Philbin can do to change anything because if he's calling the plays or if he, and if he's strict on what it is that he's calling and he's not letting he's doing the same thing Mike McCarthy is or he's not letting Aaron Rodgers really be able to change plays at the line of scrimmage or do anything like that and making him forced to be to be running the play that is called and doesn't give him any leeway doesn't give him any autonomy over the offense it's going to be the same exact offense because to come from the same exact tree they have the same exact playbook they have the same exact Exact concepts. It's why Joe Feldman got run the hell out of Miami in the goddamn first place. The only thing he can do to change anything on the Green Bay Packers and change anything for Aaron Rodgers' value as far as a fantasy football player or everybody else in the Green Bay Packers, for that matter, is if he looks at Aaron Rodgers and says, you go ahead and have autonomy over the offense. We're going to run what you like, the concepts that you want to do, and give you all the freedom in the world to change play at the line of skirmish at how you see fit. That is the only way this changes. And as of now, I've been looking for reports of the Green Bay Packers or how they're going to play it this week, and so far I have not seen that be the case in the beat writing reporting that that has a chance to happen. And if that does not happen this week, then I think the Green Bay Packers offense will continue to be lethargic and disappointing. And that's what's scary but if it does flip the other way and we just haven't heard about it yet and we find out on Friday or Sunday morning that they are in fact planning on giving Aaron Rodgers more influence over the offense in this game against the Atlanta Falcons, then all of a sudden I think Aaron Rodgers could have a great game because you're playing the Falcons defense, which is terrible at home in Green Bay in a game that could be a shootout if the Falcons get their act together on the other side of the ball as well. So Aaron Rodgers, I think he has... He's, he's one of the most maddening players because you you know who Aaron Rodgers is, you know the talent that he is, he should be a quarterback one, but I think he's so far wide on the spectrum as far as, what is he going to be a floor play, is he going to be a ceiling play? Does he have a floor? I think he's either a low floor or a high ceiling. I don't think there's any in-between for Aaron Rodgers right now, and that can make you really uneasy when you're looking for a quarterback to start in fantasy football. Now, do you have better options? That all depends on whether you've been okay with the disappointing season out of Aaron Rodgers so far and haven't bothered to pick anybody else up or not. That's going to depend on your uh, your team makeup, but... There's a lot of quarterbacks this week who have a lot of really good matchups who I would consider playing over Aaron Rodgers this week unless I hear differently out of the Green Bay camp that he's going to have more autonomy over the offense. All right, so now that I got that out of the way... Aaron Jones, RB2. Devontae Adams is your wide receiver one. I can't trust Marquez Valdez-Scantling, of course. They tried to get him a little bit more involved in the offense in general last week, but the targets are still not there. He's still not hitting the big play like he was earlier on when he was starting to make himself become a wide receiver three, and of course, you can't trust anything out of Randall Cobb either. Jimmy Graham surprisingly had a high volume number of catches last week. I think in PPR leagues, Jimmy Graham is a very decent tight end to be able to play this week, even with that bum thumb injury Aaron Rodgers looked for him as a safety blanket more so in that game it should be a good matchup here against the Falcons I do think volume if nothing else will be there look touchdowns haven't been there for Jimmy Graham all year and that goes against all logic of course but uh, he's always a threat to score and being with the tight end situation where it is right now you'll take that volume he is able to provide you within this offense At that moment. Now, he didn't practice yesterday, but that's to be expected. He hasn't really practiced the first day of the week since he's had this thumb injury. Even before that, they were kind of managing his reps anyway. So I expect Jimmy Graham to practice a little bit more as we get closer here. Our next game, we have the Ravens and the Chiefs. We got the number one defense against the number one offense in this game. The Ravens going into Kansas City, I think, get a big disadvantage here. They are going to start Lamar Jackson. Joe Flacco's been practicing in a limited capacity all week, but they have come out and said it does look like Lamar Jackson is going to get one more start in this game. So, something to keep in mind. That means that we know what the Ravens' game plan is going to be. It's going to be run, 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 ball control, ball control, ball control, keep the offense of the Chiefs off the field as much as possible, and also importantly keeping the defense off the field so that when when they are on the field they're super refreshed because when that when that defense is fresh right now they are playing lights out ball for the past couple of weeks since they've been controlling the clock more so and have been able to get more rest on the sidelines and been able to just go out and play lights out when they are on the field so we know that's going to be the game plan for the Ravens We know that means against Kansas City Chiefs in that situation, Lamar Jackson is going to have a decent, serviceable floor because he's going to run the ball enough. Now, after watching last week in a game in which he should have had the opportunity to be able to show that he could put up some points passing the ball, it was quite disappointing. I don't think you can expect that to suddenly take place in another good matchup this week. I wouldn't expect that to be the case. So if you're playing Lamar Jackson, it's because you have you're fine with the floor that he's going to give you. You don't have any other better options for a higher ceiling, and that's why you're playing Lamar Jackson. Most of you are in the playoffs are not going to be playing Lamar Jackson as your starting quarterback. It does mean, though, that Gus Edwards here is going to be a high-end RB2, and I think with the possibility to be an RB1 against the Kansas City Chiefs, who are a great matchup for running backs against them. He didn't aggravate that injury. He's actually been practicing in full so far all week, so he looks healthier than he was going into last week's game. I think he's an excellent candidate to get 100 yards and a touchdown in this week's matchup. Uh, John Brown, Michael Crabtree, Willie Sneed, you're benching all of them. You were never playing a tight end on the Ravens anyway because all of them rotate way too much. As far as the Ravens defense goes, I would look for other options because while we know what the game plan is going to be, it's still in Kansas City. This is still a Kansas City offense is really good. Uh, you might get a couple of turnovers, you might get a couple of sacks. But I am not going to go into my first round of playoffs feeling great about my prospects of what I'm going to get on my defense playing against the number one offense, even if my defense is number one. Now, I'm not dropping Ravens defense, so don't get that twist, and hopefully you would be smart enough to know that anyway, but... I would look for other defenses to stream. One of my favorite sleeper defenses for Week 14 would be the Steelers defense playing Oakland because that pass rush has come back to life for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I do think they will be able to get quite a number of sacks and pressure on Derek Carr. And when he does that, he usually turns the ball over. Also, I truly believe that the Raiders already blew their nut offensively uh, last week against the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't think they come close to scoring that many points again for the rest of the season. So if you're looking for a defensive stream and you have the Ravens defense, I think the Steelers defense against the Raiders this particular week would be a good way to go just to give you some help there. On the cheap side of the ball, there's not too much to talk about outside of Spencer Ware, but Patrick Mahomes, of course you're starting him, of course you're starting Tyreek Hill, of course you're starting Travis Kelsey, Um, and I'm, I would... Try to not start Sammy Watkins now because he's been out for the past couple weeks. I'm sure you've cultivated more options since then to be able to choose from uh, the overplaying Sammy Watkins in this particular matchup against the Ravens. His first is he, he now. First of all, he is looking to practice. Uh, he's been practicing limited capacity. He is looking to come back this week. So I should have started off with that. But his first week, possibly being back against the number one rated defense in a game in which he'll be playing on the outside receiver more so than not, which means he's going to see Jimmy Smith more so than. Tyreek Hill will. Uh, I don't love the matchup there either. So I wouldn't play Sammy Watkins in your starting lineups. But if you have him and you're in the playoffs, I do like his prospects after this week if he is, in fact, healthy. We saw the last time he came back, he had no business being on the field. So hopefully he's gotten the rest he's needed to this point now. Uh, The big thing we got to talk about is Spencer Ware because this is a terrible matchup for Spencer Ware. I don't think he's the type... First of all, it's not a great matchup for any running back. But the running backs who can... Have a chance to do well against the Baltimore Ravens are more of your faster, explosive type running backs. The power backs typically do not do well against Baltimore because they have a bigger defensive front. They have guys who could tackle. The speedier, smaller guys are actually the ones that have a little bit more of a chance to get some production against the Baltimore Ravens. So I don't love Spencer Ware in this game. Having said that, because the Kansas City offense is as good as they are, because this is in Kansas City, he may not have to do a lot to get a touchdown. They may get within the five and hand him off the ball and. He he may get a couple he could have a goal one or two goal line touchdowns quite frankly with the way their offense can go even in a tough matchup like this one so but he's going to be touchdown dependent in this game, I think he's really a more of a flex play in this one. Uh, even if he gets the volume, it was kind of disappointing that he wasn't able to get more rushing yards last week, and that's what kind of gives me a lot of pause for what to expect out of him for this particular week. But I think he is nothing more than a touchdown dependent flex play for this matchup. Unfortunately. Because when you picked him up, you had the excitement of like, oh, I might have an RB2 on my hands at worst for the playoff run now. If, if you know if you didn't have Kareem Hunt before, if Cream Hunt, you know, it's it's a downgrade, but you're like, all right, well, I still have somebody I can start and trust who's gonna get the work in a good offense. But it just happens that the first round of playoffs, they have the toughest matchup you could possibly have, especially for Spencer Ware himself. In our next matchup, we have the AFC East Divisional rivalry game between the Dolphins and the Patriots. First of all, in the injuries, Tom Brady is limited with his knee like he has been for the past couple of weeks, but there is no worries about Tom Brady being able to play on Sunday. So now we have the matchups. Alright, so Rex Burkhead came back last week, and there was a lot of carries getting divvied out between Sony Michelle and James White and Rex Burkhead, and what do you do? What's Sony Michelle's value going into the first round of this game? Look, it's a plus matchup for the Miami Dolphins without a doubt for Sony Michelle here, and he still got 17 carries this game, even with everyone else still touching the ball as well. Now, I don't expect that to be the case as far as volume goes in this game, but I do expect Sonny Michelle to get Get 18 to 20 carries at minimum this week, uh, which would make him an RB2 in a plus matchup against the Miami Dolphins. The other thing you have to take into consideration is that it's very rare he's going to get two touchdowns vultured at the goal line by Devlin the way that he did. It's a factor, I understand being a little bit uneasy about it, but Sony Michelle is still an RB2 with good scoring potential in a plus matchup here against the Miami Dolphins. Of course, you're going to play Tom Brady. Xavier Howard is out for the Dolphins here, so he has the ability to go off Because the secondary of the Dolphins is not anything near the same as what it is with Xavier Howard out there. That's a great thing for Josh Gordon uh this week moving forward cuz he's going to be on the outside of the perimeter against the backup corner. He's going to be able to take advantage of that matchup so he should be having some down the field throws. Rob Gronkowski for the first time in a few weeks finally came off the injury report in this one. Uh James White will be a great flex PPR player. His his numbers have been affected a little bit in PPR he's still an RB2 uh as of last week cuz he still had those 9 catches uh but his his scoring plausibilities have gone down as people have gotten healthier. The Patriots have gotten more weapons. So uh you're definitely, he's definitely an RB two As far as PPR goes, he's still getting enough of those catches out of the backfield, but as far as standard leagues, he is a high floor uh, flex play nothing more than that just because the opportunities for him to score while he still might the opportunities for him to score are not going to be quite there on the Dolphins' side of the ball I don't know how you're trusting anybody. If you have Kenyon Drake and you made the playoffs congratulations that you're another group of people who gets another round of applause right here because that was very impressive because Kenyon Drake was a lot of people's high end RB twos took him in the fourth round expected him to be a key part of their starting lineups and the volume just hasn't been there all we all year long. Last week you could finally seem to be a more even split between him and Frank Gore. And of course, Kenyon Drake actually had more touches because he was getting the receiving game. He's still been a big playmaker. He still is going to be dependent on to be a playmaker in this game against the Patriots. But it's always going to be that if you hit that big play or not. And that's what's going to come down to Kenyon Drake. Therefore, I think he's a boomer bust flex play. I think as far as being boomer bust flex plays go, he's on the higher end. He has more of a chance to actually hit that play to get more volume than most of those guys would do in those situations when you're comparing boomer bust flexes uh, for this week. But Kenyon Drake's the only Dolphin I'm even considering playing uh, in the playoffs this this, this upcoming week. You can't trust Kenny Stills, Devontae Parker, Danny Amendola came back to practice, but you can't trust him either in even PPR formats. You're not going to stream Ryan Tannehill. So the only player from the Dolphins that might possibly crack my starting lineup in the playoff round would be Kenyon Drake in this matchup. Alright, so now we got to move on here to the Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Michael Thomas came back to practice today. That's great news Has that ankle injury didn't practice yesterday. We weren't really sure how severe it was. Him not practicing yesterday wasn't really too much of a surprise. We weren't too uh, concerned about it at the end of the day, but you still wanted to see it was going to come back on Thursday and would he be limited or not. He came back in a full part at practice today so he should be fine and good to go come Sunday. Nothing to worry about there and of course for the Saints you're starting your studs and you can expect the world out of everyone against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this particular week even though it's on the road. It hasn't really been as big of a deal for the Saints this year being on the road as it has in years past and you're going against one of the best matchups you could possibly ask for if you're the Saints. Breeze, Kamara, Ingram, Michael Thomas all belong in in your lineups. Outside of that, no, I'm not trusting Traquan Smith. Your Brandon Marshall is still not quite activated yet. I'm not going to play Ben Watson as a streaming tight end. You just cannot trust these guys and what they are going to do, what their roles are going to be. It is not consistent enough. And quite frankly, even in Traquan Smith's uh, situation... I still don't think his ceiling is high enough to want to take that chance to begin with anyway. So, Breeze, Kamara, Ingram, Michael Thomas, your normal studs. Outside of that, I'm still not playing anybody else against the Buccaneers. Uh, Well, I'm not playing anybody else on the Saints, even though it's against the Buccaneers. On the Buccaneers side of the ball, Jameis Winston is going to be a quarterback one because you figure it's you have a win-win-lose situation for Jameis Winston because there's three different outcomes in this game, right? First of all, in the game in general, either the Saints are going to blow out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or it's going to be a shootout game. Either one bodes well for Jameis Winston. Why? Because if the Saints blow them out, then in the second half, he's going to throw the ball a ton. He'll have a ton of volume and at least get you a high floor, if nothing else, with that added volume. Or it turns into a blowout game and then you know, sky's the limit as far as his ceiling goes for fantasy point purposes. Now, the lose situation, so you, the one-third, the lose situation here is that bad Winston could show up at any moment. The Saints defense have been playing a lot better for over the past month than they did earlier on in the season. And actually, as a defense for fantasy purposes, has actually been on a hot streak over the past few weeks. So I like the Saints quite a bit as well as a sleeper defense that you could possibly go to. But Jameis Winston should have a very good ceiling or very, I should say a very good floor regardless of the situation of how that game goes because both bodes well for him having the volume he needs to put up those fantasy numbers. Same thing goes for Mike Evans. I think same thing goes for Chris Godwin and Adam Humphreys. Uh, it, for me, it depends on what type of league you're in. If you're choosing between Chris Godwin, Adam Humphreys, if you're a PPR league, I tend to lean Humphreys. Uh, Winston's been going to him more and more, especially to move the chains, and also he's been on a bit of a streak here, scoring touchdowns with James Winston as well. He's not typically that type of guy, but he is on a bit of a hot streak. Has the last four weeks, I think he's had three weeks where he's actually scored a touchdown, so he's been good there as well. So I do like Humphreys more in a PPR format. I still like Chris Godwin more in a standard format format he's still more of a big play wide receiver he's still more likely to get the 100 yard and touchdown mark that you try to get as much of in the standard leagues really any format but especially in standard leagues when those receptions don't count for points uh so I like Godwin more in those formats, but both are really good plays. Both have the better matchups against the Saints defense as Marshawn Lattimore is going to see a lot of Mike Evans in this game. I'm still not worried about Mike Evans because to me, Mike Evans, it's just a matter of where, whether he's going to get the volume or not. Last week, he didn't quite get the volume that we're used to seeing. He didn't have a great game, three catches for 48 yards. The week before, he goes well over 100 yards and a touchdown and was a wide receiver one uh, because he got the volume. So it all depends on where Winston decides to go with the ball. I know that's not a Great vote of confidence for a guy who's supposed to be your wide receiver one when you draft him earlier in this year and have been performing like that. All the way up until uh, basically this past month where he's only had one wide receiver, one showing uh, over the past four weeks. He's been quite disappointing in that matter, but you're not going to bench him. You're going to play him, and this is still a better matchup than not for Mike Evans to be able to expect him to get, get going here. Cameron Bray, I mean, he shouldn't be available in any of the leagues, but he is available in your league. Make sure you pick him up. He's still a guy who Winston does like to go to in the goal line situations. He has got about as good an opportunity as any tight end out there to be able to score a tight Touchdown and get some decent looks as well. So, Cameron Bree is another guy who I'm willing to play in my starting lineup. Quite a few players from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who I'm willing to play in my starting lineup in the playoffs for this week. All right, so let's move on here to the Giants and the Redskins. Giants, uh, Sterling Shepard was good to go. He came back and practice. We're a little bit concerned because they had the rib injury in that game last week. He was able to come back in that game, but was clearly hindered to some degree. So we weren't really sure how healthy he was going to be coming into week 14. He looks like he will be good to go. Evan Ingram actually practiced in a limited capacity yesterday. Still haven't heard what the official report on him was today, I'm going to assume. As long as he didn't have a re-aggravation of the hamstring ish- injury, he would have been able to practice today as well. Look, even the last few weeks before he got injured again with the hamstring issue, he had not been getting the amount of targets that we we're used to Eli going to him for. But we know he has an opportunity to score. We know he's good. We know Eli typically, at least let's we'll say traditionally, will go to the tight end, even though that really hadn't been the case over the past few weeks. Uh, so I get that where the trend is. But if you're seeing a situation where Evan Ingram was dropped because of his injury, he thought he was going to be out longer, whatever the case may be of why he was dropped. And you're staring down the barrel at your tight end position, just lost Greg Olson, or whatever the case may be. He may be a guy who has about as good a chance to score as anybody, and that's about all you can go off of if you're looking for a tight end to stream as uh, as of this moment. Of course, you're playing Odell Beckham as normal, of course, Saquon Barkley through the roof. Nothing really else to go over there anyway. For the Washington Redskins, Mark Sanchez is going to be the starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins. I think what's even worse than Mark Sanchez being the starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins is the fact that they went back and signed Josh Johnson to be the backup quarterback to Mark Sanchez. How many retreads can you fit into one roster in one year, Washington? How many? I just cannot believe that Mark Sanchez is going to to be a starting quarterback this week in the NFL yet again. I did not think we would ever see the day. More like I hoped we would never see the day. (sighs) Nothing can be worse than Nathan Peterman, though. I will say that obviously you're not streaming sanchez but it's more importantly what does it do for everybody else more importantly what does it do for jordan reed who looked like if nothing else was getting the volume he needed to have the opportunity to be able to put up decent fantasy points finally uh, with colt mccoy it looked like that rapport had been had been building it looked like he was finally getting more targets past the line of scrimmage than he was getting with alex smith so now what happens? Well. I don't know. Mark Sanchez did have a history of wanting to go to the tight end when he was able to do so. Uh, I don't think he doesn't have great arm strength, and I don't think he's going to come out there with the mentality that he's going to sling it across the field. So I think more times than not, he's going to look to the middle of the field and short to throw the football rather than the perimeter. We saw Jordan Reed when he came in last week. Uh, Jordan Reed did tie for the team with five targets for the most. Uh, It was a three-way tie. I think him and Crowder will be busy. It's a Giants team that is not impossible to throw on. Obviously, Landon Collins just went went on to the IRs. He had season-ending injury, uh, season-ending surgery. Excuse me, going into uh, going into this week, so he's done for the rest of the year. That really helps open up the middle of that field uh, for Jordan Reed, especially in the red zone. More importantly, with Landon Collins out, so the opportunity could be there. The Redskins are not going to look to throw the ball. They're going to look to run the ball. Peterson wasn't at practice during the media portion during Thursday, but there is no concern that he's not going to be able to play this upcoming Sunday either. So something to keep in mind along with that as well. is going to be a, low, a, a, a top tight end too. Maybe low end tight end one if he winds up getting a surprising amount of volume. But it's going to be very hard to trust with Mark Sanchez under center. And then outside of Jordan Reed, I'm not trusting anybody else. I'm not going to trust Jameson Crowder to do anything in PPR leagues for me, which is the only format he would even... Lucky
4: Land Casino.
3: Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: Lucky?
3: You're going to play Adrian Peterson. Chris Thompson might have some flex appeals of PPR, but because you haven't seen it in a while, it'd be hard for me to actually trust it going into the first round of playoffs to be predicting that while we haven't even seen it in a long time. He looked okay to me in that game against the Eagles. It was a rib injury, so it's not like he's being affected from a soft tissue issue. So you're not really too worried about re-aggravation. It's just more can he take the hit and move on. That's always going to be more of the question. Adrian Peterson is going to play. So I still like Peterson to be an RB2. It's a good matchup here against the Giants. You know they're the number one thing the Redskins are going to want to do, especially this week. It was been their, it's been their plan their whole season, but especially this week, they're going to want to run the football every opportunity that they get. Uh so Adrian Peterson should be an RB2 in this matchup that you can play uh safely and probably the most safe Redskin to have in your fantasy football matchups for week 14. All right, this is the last of the one o'clock games, and then we'll get into our start seg- start sit segment here before we get into the four o'clock Sunday night and Monday night games. We have the Colts and the Texans in this one. Alright, so Colts had a bunch of injuries, but nothing too concerning. Eric Ebron has been sick. He's also been with that back injury like he was last week. He hasn't practiced. It's been more to do with the illness than anything else. He's expected, of course, to get better play on Sunday. T.Y. Hilton, shoulder injury, wasn't at practice either Wednesday or Thursday. A little more concerning that he was not able to practice today again. Weren't really too concerned yesterday, but two days in a row is a little bit concerning For T.Y. Hilton, although at this time it is expected that he is going to play on Sunday the Colts themselves do not seem overly concerned about it as of right now. So that's the one light of hope I can offer you. But definitely make sure you're at MDFF Show on Twitter for those player up-to-date notifications because you're going to need that to know exactly what T.Y. Hilton uh, status is for tomorrow and, of course, going into the weekend as they will be up and running all weekend long for you. The MD Fantasy Football Show is always here for you first. And then their last injury, which isn't going to be too relevant for your fantasy lineups, is Chester Rogers. He's been limited. On Thursday, with a groin injury, was limited, of course, uh, yesterday as well. You're not going to be playing Chester Rogers in your fantasy lineups anyway in this matchup against the Texans. While it's not the best matchup of the world, I do think Marlon Mack is going to get back to touching the ball a bit more. Had been, uh, kind of got put off to the side. It was a second bad game against the Jaguars. I talked about how the type of player he is is not a great matchup against that Jaguars front even though they have been susceptible to decent run games uh, this year and I explained why he's his more of explosive type of back. The backs usually do well against the Jaguars or more power type of backs. So I do think he's going to have an easier time here against the Texans however the one thing I do am a little bit concerned about with Marlon Mack is that he hasn't been getting the amount of touches that he was getting when he first came back off of his injury and for all as far as we're concerned right now uh, Marlon Mack is pretty as healthy as they come so I don't know what the sit what, what the key is, what the situation is, to why he hasn't been touching the ball quite as much. Uh, I know Naeem Hines has been working in a little bit more in passing downs and on third down opportunities, which has taken away some of the receptions that Marlon Mack was getting e- earlier on. But the, really the big thing was that he was getting 18 to 20 carries and he was because he was getting in rhythm and getting that volume, he was able to break a few runs here and there and was exploding as a really high-end RB2, almost borderline RB1 there for a couple of weeks. So can he get back to that kind of usage If he can, I do think he has the potential to be a high-end RB2 against the Houston Texans in this game. At the very least, he's a high-end flex play this week, so I do think Marlon Mack is going to be in your starting lineup, and you can feel pretty decent about it for this week upcoming. Andrew Luck, of course, you're playing Andrew Luck. If T.Y. Hilton plays, of course, you're playing T.Y. Hilton. He should be good to go, and you're playing Eric Ebron. On the Texans' side of the ball, Deshaun Watson was a little bit limited in practice, but there's no worries for him with the shoulder injury. He he threw today in practice, so he looks like he'll be good to go. Hopkins has been listed as questionable and has been limited on Wednesday and Thursday like he has pretty much all season long, and has always suited up on Sunday. Nothing has changed in his status now Kiki Kute on the other hand practiced in the limited capacity on Wednesday we'll see if he's he did practice in limited capacity last week on Wednesday too and still wound up not being active for that game we'll see if he's actually closer to being able to do so against the Colts if he is I do think he has some volume as a high floor PPR flex wide receiver but other than that uh, I wouldn't play him in standard leagues and I wouldn't expect anything much higher than that because the Texans quite frankly have not been throwing the ball a ton especially since when Will Fuller went down. So they've been throwing the ball between 25 and 30 times a game. That's about it. They've been able to run the ball a lot and very effectively as a result. So that is why I wouldn't love Kikute outside of a PPR league because there's just not enough volume to expect him to be to. To feel safe and feel good about his prospects to actually have a good amount of yards and possibly a score in standard leagues, which is what you're going to need there. But in PPR leagues, I think he can have a high floor flex play value if he plays. But I do think you should have better options than that going into a playoff matchup. All right, so let's get ready here for the start sit segment, and then we'll re- and then we'll preview the rest of the games for Week 14. Start sit headaches. All right, I'm a, I'm excited about this start-sit segment that we have here. We've got some good questions. And, of course, this is a week where everyone is going to be racking their brains over who do I play. You don't want to make the wrong decision, right, because the wrong decision could cost you the game and, can therefore, could cost you your chance to play in the championship. Look, at the end of the day, my advice to you is this. You play the team. Not no, no you trust your instinct and play your team the way you had played it all year long because the way you played it all year long is what got you to the playoffs. In the first place. So enjoy the ride. Anything can happen in fantasy football. Any Joe Schmo can suddenly go off for 150 yards and two touchdowns or throw for 500 yards. You just don't know who it's going to be. But you play your team the way you have because that is why you are in the position that you're in. And of course, you know, listening to M- MD's fantasy football show and make sure you're following along with all the Twitter notifications and asking for my advice as well, of course, because that will always help you too. Uh, remember, star sit segment. Or if you have any other questions for me, I'm gonna be around all weekend long, or any other time in the future. If you want to try to get your question on the show, at MDFF Show on Twitter and on Facebook, I will answer every question that I get, and of course, we'll grab a handful and put them on the show like I do every single week. So, but let's get started in our start sit segment here. First up, we have Drew. Drew asked Trey Burton. Or Jordan Reed now he doesn't specify whether it's a PPR league or not not that in this situation he necessarily has to uh, but I like this question a lot because it really shows you the position that some people are in as far as tight end goes and just how how gloom how gloom and doom it seems to all be like Trey Burton Jordan Reed this this question fundamentally you are not going to feel good about whoever it is you do wind up choosing to start in your lineup. You're not going to feel good about it. Plain and simple. I mean, Jordan Reed hasn't been that great this year, even though he's actually played in every single game. And now you got Mark Sanchez throwing him the ball. Trey Burton has been a huge disappointment as to what his athletic skill set and what his, his projected role in the offense was supposed to be going into August and it has not come to fruition at any point in this season he's just not as vital of a part in that offense as people suspected he would be um so as a result you're kind of stuck in this in between where you can't trust either one of them but you got to play one of them and on paper, both of them have decent matchups here. Trey Burton against the Rams. The Rams are usually a pretty decent matchup for tight ends. The Giants are about middle in the pack against tight ends as well as 16th overall. So not a matchup you're afraid of in any stretch of the means. So... I would have to go Jordan Reed here, whether it's PPR or standard. We'll put that out there since you didn't specify. I would have to go Jordan Reed just because I do think the offensive game plan for the Washington Redskins is going to be to run the ball and feature rollout play action, kind of like you saw in the Eagles game when Sanchez did come into the game, uses athleticism because he does have a little bit of that. He is pretty good. a pretty good thrower on the run when he's able to do so. So do that and also those little play action rollouts to the tight end coming across the field i do think that'll be a staple part of their offense in this game so i do think that sets up for jordan reed to at least have some opportunities in that sense and i also think jordan reed would probably be mark sanchez's number one target if he's throwing in the red zone where with trey burton you have Allen robinson they've been going to they've been going to anthony miller in the red zone quite a bit as of late taylor gabriel so I do think you take your chances with Jordan Reed. You're not going to feel great about it either way, but that's the way I would go between those two. Uh, Mason, he asked, one point PPR league. He's got to pick one of these guys. Landry, Humphreys, or Cortland Sutton. So this is an interesting, this is very interesting, right? We haven't gotten to the Broncos yet. That's why I haven't talked about the fact that Emmanuel Sanders blew his Achilles yesterday. Most of you probably know that by now anyway, but blows his Achilles yesterday out for the rest of the season. Cortland Sutton now becomes the number one wide receiver, presumably uh, with Case Keenum. The Problem is that Cortland Sutton doesn't go into the slot like Emmanuel Sanders would. So I don't know if his role is going to be affected that much where I don't think he's going to get there. He might get a few added targets just because Emmanuel Sanders won't be there and he should be the most talented pass catcher down the field. But the Broncos are a run first team anyway. Uh, and going against the San Francisco 49ers, they should define success running the ball pretty consistently anyway. So I don't know how much, I don't think Cortland Sutton suddenly has a ceiling that goes through the roof necessarily just because Emmanuel Sanders is out. Jarvis Landry has not been trustworthy whatsoever, of course. We talked about already when we, we talked about the Browns and the Panthers matchup for this week. He came back to life last week. Does that mean it's going to come to fruition for the next couple of weeks? I don't know because that wasn't a typical Browns offensive game plan either. I would go with Adam Humphreys here. And that's probably going to be the last one that I think most people are going to tell you to go with in this situation. But the fact is that Humphreys is on a hot streak. He's been he scored in three weeks of the last four. So he's been getting in the end zone. He's been getting six to seven catches, like a true slot wide receiver. They've been looking for him. He has a great matchup against the New Orleans Saints this week. That could be a shootout or coming from behind. Either way, he's definitely a great matchup against that slot corner there for DJ Williams for uh, the Saints. So I would actually go Adam Humphreys. I think he has the higher floor, and I think his ceiling can match the ceiling of a Cortland Sutton or Jarvis Landry if they were to hit as well uh, in this particular matchup. So I would go Adam Humphreys there, Mason. Uh, Keaton, he asks, Cohen or Sony Michelle PPR League in the flex? So since they're in the flex, I'm going to assume you have two running backs that you already feel pretty comfortable comfortable with in your starting lineup. If that's the case, why take the home run boomer bust chance on Tariq Cohen over what you know Sony Michelle is going to be able to do for you at least? Look, I get it. Tariq Cohen blew up last week, apps, and has blown up pretty consistently actually over the past couple of weeks has been a big time playmaker they're playing the Rams the opportunity should be there the Rams might put up a bunch of points Chicago might have to throw the ball a lot more I get all of that and I'm not saying Tariq Cohen doesn't have a good game here there is a good possibility that he could have a good game but he's not going to have the 12 catches for 164 yards that he had last week and he doesn't get in the end zone unless he breaks a big play so the way you're looking at this, you're hoping that with Trubisky back, he still gets somewhere between six to eight catches. And spells Jordan Howard here and there. I wouldn't expect a touchdown. Maybe you let's see. Did he? Yeah. So it is a PPR league. So that six to eight catches could be what you need to make sure that Tariq Cohen gets a high floor. And I do think that would be a pretty good possibility against the Rams, especially with Akeem Tlaib back and Marcus Peters. I do think throwing on the outside and the perimeters against the Rams is actually going to be tough from here on out, and especially after last week, Akeem Tlaib was on a snap count. I don't think that he's going to be on a snap count anymore uh, this week either. So I do think he's going to be good to go in that sense so that's what i would look at here so i would go i now that i've talked about it ppr league i would go Tariq Cohen here i was actually gonna go sony michelle when we first started this out but i took completely just changed my mind i haven't answered him back yet so it's not like i gave him bad advice already but as i go through it ppr league and the flex uh, because I do think he gets six catches in this game. See, so the thing about Sonny Michelle is you need him to get in the end zone, and I do think he does get in the end zone against the Miami, and I think he's got a very good opportunity to get 100 yards on a touchdown against Miami because of the matchup, because we know even last week where a lot of people got a lot of carries, he's still at 17. I still think he's got a good chance to get 18 to 20 carries in this game, which should get him 100 yards against that Dolphins run defense. Good opportunity for a touchdown here. So I do, th- I do think he's going to have a good game as well. But Cohen's ceiling could be through the roof, and because it's the PPR league, and because of the situation, the matchup they are in, I think he actually will have a decent floor to go along with it for this particular week, more so than he normally does. Uh, so I would actually go Tariq Cohen here in the flex. Uh, Peyton, he asked... Uh, Spencer Ware or LaShawn McCoy in a PPR league? This is kind of a tough question because Spencer Ware is on the better offense, right? You can trust more what they're going to be able to do, have opportunities to score, but they're playing the Baltimore Ravens. So while I still think the passing attack will be there, and I think it'll be fine to play. You know, We talked about it already with Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins earlier. Uh, While you'd be fine to play those guys and Travis Kelsey, of course, Spencer Ware, to me, I don't know how many rushing yards he's going to get you. This is not a good matchup. I don't think he's the type of player who's going to have a good matchup against his number one run defense of the Baltimore Ravens. But on the flip side, when have you been able to trust LeSean McCoy to do anything this year? Except when they played the New York Jets and he scored for two touchdowns, so that's that's the part that you got to wrestle with a little bit. You got to know that yeah, last time Sean McCoy played. Now the couple things were different about that game. Uh, Matt Barkley played a really good game. I can't I can't believe I'm saying this, but yeah, Matt Barkley played a really good game and he dumped the ball off to Lashawn McCoy. Josh Allen, for whatever reason, doesn't throw the ball to Lashawn McCoy. Doesn't dump it off to him. I don't know why he hasn't been that great. Thr- Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize throwing the football, you would think his number one playmaker dump off would be an easy go to for a rookie quarterback, but he just doesn't do it very often. So you're going to need LeSean McCoy to use the volume that he gets against a good matchup against the Jets to actually come through for you. Otherwise, I'm not sure what you're going to get. Uh, but because of the matchup here, I'm going to take the shot on McCoy over Spencer Ware this week. I am because Spencer Ware to me, because I don't think he's going to be able to get a lot of rushing yards in this game and his limited, his, his limited passing production is going to be a factor as well. He's pretty much a touchdown or bust in this particular matchup against the Baltimore Ravens because it's such a bad matchup for him. Where in McCoy's case, because of the matchup, because of the volume, I think their floors are kind of similar. And I think he actually has more of an opportunity to give you more of a ceiling. So I would actually go LaShawn McCoy over Spencer Ware just for uh, this week. Uh, Fab, he asked, I got to start two guys here, one PPR, one point PPR. Between Corey Davis, Allen Robinson, Cortland Sutton, and Traquan Smith. Well, we already kind of talked about the Saints matchup. You can go ahead and kick Traquan Smith out of the conversation for this matchup. There's no reason to trust him, especially when you have these other good options here. I would actually go Allen Robinson and Cortland Sutton. I don't love Corey Davis tonight against the Jacksonville Jaguars in that matchup at all. Allen Robinson, I think, even though I don't love him necessarily, I think we'll see keep Tlaib more of the time. He's still going to get targeted quite a bit. They move Allen Robinson in outside a lot, so I do think he's going to get those opportunities. And Cortland Sutton just became the number one wide receiver of the Denver Broncos, playing against a good matchup against the, Denver Bron- uh, against the San Francisco 49ers, so... I would go Allen Robinson and Cortland Sutton here, and I would feel pretty good about those options. Maybe Corey Davis goes off tonight. Maybe Traquan Smith catches a bomb, but I would feel pretty good about having Allen Robinson and Cortland Sutton over those two in my lineup for the playoffs this week. That wraps up our Start-Sit segment. Now we can get into the 4 o'clock, the Sunday night, and the Monday night games on the other side.
2: Start-Sit Headaches.
3: I should really look into getting a drop to close out that segment other than just playing the first one right away, right? We already had the start sit segment. Don't worry. You're not hearing things. I did play that again to kind of give it a nice little cutoff right there. But let's go ahead and finish up this podcast and get to the four o'clock to Sunday night and the Monday night games. We're starting off with the Cincinnati Bengals against the Los Angeles Chargers. All right, so first up, we got Joe Mixon with the foot issue. He's been limited the last two days, but there's no expectation that he's going to be in any danger of missing on Sunday, so he should be good to go as well. We know AJ Green's on IR, which means Tyler Boyd's going to be up. I don't love Tyler Boyd as the number one wide receiver of the Bengals for this week because he's going to be seeing a lot of Hayward. The, uh, the Chargers defense—I almost said San Diego. The Chargers defense has been playing a lot better since they've gotten Joey Bosa back, Um, even though they didn't play that great against Pittsburgh last week, of course. Cincinnati Bengals' offense is not the Pittsburgh Steelers either. Uh So I actually don't love Boyd this week. I think his, his, his ceiling is very limited. He'll have an okay floor just because the volume is definitely going to be there. Uh, So if you need to play him in a PPR league as your wide receiver three, as your flex play, I do think he warrants there because of volume-based. But I'm not expecting big things out of Tyler Boyd this particular week uh, for this matchup. I just don't like it here. It would have been so much better if he was a compliment wide receiver to A.J. Green, but I don't like him as the number one guy in this matchup here. C.J. Uzumah is going to keep coming up as a name as a low-end desperate last player left on the waiver wire streaming tight end i guess in theory he does get the workload that i've always talked about here on this show as being enough to consider tight ends when you're looking for streaming options but i don't love it and because he has done pretty much absolutely nothing with the opportunities that he has gotten to this point I would say go ahead and just skip over C.J. Uzuma as one of your streaming options. Even if it's somebody who's even more obscure, I would rather play and take a shot on Ian Thomas against the Browns backing up Greg Olson than I would play C.J. Uzuma this particular week. Um, On the Chargers side of the ball here... Uh Melvin Gordon didn't practice. He wasn't expected to come back this week anyway. So it is still gonna be Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson. Uh Philip you're pl- obviously you're gonna be playing Philip Rivers, playing Keen Allen. Keen Allen's got a great matchup here against Cincinnati Bengals. Philip Rivers has a great matchup here. Everybody has a great matchup here against Cincinnati Bengals because that defense has been absolute trash. Uh especially as of late. They've been getting gashed on the ground. Bombs thrown deep on him, so sky's the limit for all of your Charger players here. I still love Austin Eckler in PPR formats and Justin Jackson in standard formats. I do think Justin Jackson will get some more uh, work this particular week than he did last week. And he was—I mean—he got sixty yards and a touchdown last week, but he still only came off at eight carries. I do think we can see him get into double-digit carries, maybe ten to twelve, and Austin Eckler working more uh, on a split or more of the pass-catching down back, uh, which is just what he's good at. It's still going to be a 50-50 timeshare between these two guys. There's no doubt about that. They still like running the ball sometimes with Austin Eckler as well. So don't forget that part. So it's not like Justin Jackson is going to take over at any point here. Uh, but I if it, I think it just depends on what kind of format. If you're in standard format, I think Jackson might have a little bit more value, a little bit of a better runner, more of a power runner, should get more of a goal line opportunity than Austin Eckler would. And if you're in a PPR format, I think the guy you're going with, Austin Eckler, both of them are are high-end flex plays this particular week in this matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals. Tyrell Williams, Mike Williams, just to mention them real quickly to tell you, do not play them. Do not. Don't do it to yourself. You don't know which one it's going to be who's going to get that bomb. One of them's going to get it. I can tell you that. One of them will get it. But nobody knows which one it's going to be. It's their usage has been completely inconsistent all year long, and it's not something you want in your lineup in a fantasy playoff matchup. So don't use them. All right, our next game up, we have the Denver Broncos and we have the San Francisco 49ers. Nick Mullins continues to be a starter, even though there was some talk about Shanahan saying maybe CJ Bathard will get another shot at some point this season. It won't be this week. It should be never ever again. Uh, but it still definitely won't be this week. We know Shanahan's a retard. We've established that on this show. Jeff Wilson Jr., RB2, right off the bat. Look, Matt Breed is out. I'm still waiting to see if Alfred Morris is going to be activated for this game. I think he might be, but if he is, it's only because to be the backup. I think Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to be the first San Francisco running back to actually get all of the work going into a matchup. Now, Breed has gotten all the work before. Backups of have gotten all the work before when someone's gotten hurt during the game. But going into a matchup there's always been a committee approach by Kyle Shanahan this might be the first week that's not the case and the Broncos are a defense that you can get uh, successful running back work against so I actually like uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. to be a high end RB2 for this matchup in any format I, I like his talent what I saw out of him last week he looks like a, a powerful runner he can catch the ball uh, he's got a decent enough little skill set there The one thing Shanahan does, and he gets it from his dad, they can always find running backs in the rough. That just seems to be their MO every single time. But I do like Jeff Wilson Jr. in this matchup to be a high-end RB2 for sure. Uh Marquise Goodwin is going to be back this week. He practices in full. Whatever the personal matter was, has been taken care of at this point. Pierre Garçon still has not practiced yesterday, did not practice today. So it does look like Garçon may miss, which means Dante Pettis would still be the starter for Pierre Garçon, who's been on a tear as of late. Now, with Marquise Goodwin back, what does that mean? Uh, I would say it probably means less of a chance for him to get the volume that he was getting before as the number one wide receiver that Nick Mullins was going to, because that's going to now turn to Marquise Goodwin. The Broncos are a team that you could throw on a little bit more than you would have before, uh, just based on the fact. That Chris Harris broke his fibula last week, so he's not playing anymore. And he was a slot corner anyway. But just in general, that secondary is going to be a little bit more susceptible now because of that injury. Everybody has to slide over, play. You know, backups got to play play the perimeter. Might bring a Roby in to play the slot a little bit more, depending on what the matchup is. We'll see how they handle it. But it does affect that defense a little bit, where they can be more thrown on than they were in previous weeks leading up to it. Because the Broncos' defense, I don't know if you noticed, had been clicking a little bit as of late especially with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb suddenly clicking as a duo pass rush and man are they going to be something to watch uh, in years to come as Bradley Chubb continues to develop uh, into a star but having said all that uh, I would not play Dante Pettis in your lineups this particular week I would if you're playing DFS this week I would think about him there still Uh, But I would not play him in a redraft league, and I would not play Marquise Goodwin either because we have to see where his mind's at, where he's at, what his utilization is going to be now that he's finally back in the lineup after he's missed a couple of weeks as well. Really, I'm only trusting two 49ers. I'm trusting George Kittle. It's a good matchup for him against the Denver Broncos. They are beatable by tight, good tight ends especially, and he's been the most reliable pass catcher from week to week for the 49ers on top of it. And I'm trusting Jeff Wilson Jr. to be an RB 2 and that's about it. On the Denver Broncos side of the ball, I'm trusting Phillip Lindsey. And I'm trusting I will trust Cortland Sutton to be a wide receiver three with upside given the added volume that he could potentially see. And the fact that Case Keenum has been going to him more and more in the red zone, finally on, a, on actually producing there on a consistent basis now. So I do think, and in a good matchup here, he's got a shot to score. So I think Cortland Sutton is a wide receiver three with some upside. And of course you're playing Philip Lindsay as an RB 2 He's been lighting it up as of late. This is another really good matchup for him here. I'm still not going to play Royce Freeman. I'm not playing anybody else on the Broncos. And uh, with Chris Harris out, I still, don't think I still think their defense is a worthy stream play, but not as much of a high-end play as they were previously going in before that injury, so I would think that there might be some other options you may be interested in, but I still think they would be a decent play if you were looking to go that route in the first place. Matt Breida, the only thing we know on his injury right now, just to mention it real quick, is that he's out for this week. We don't know if he's going to be out longer than that or not as of this moment. All right, next up, we got the Eagles and we got the Cowboys. We got a nice big division rival matchup here in this one. Could go either way, but you care about the fantasy matchups in this one. Carson, Look, Cowboys defense came in, they shut down the Saints last week, and that was on the road. It was very impressive that they went into New Orleans and were able to dominate defensively the way they were. That defense is clicking right now on a a very scary level. And while the Eagles looked a lot better this past week against the Washington Redskins than they have in some time and got guys like Golden Tate involved and kept kept, uh, Josh Adams running the football at a consistent rate, they still have not shown that over the top, that that turning point performance yet. Maybe the confidence of being a divisional opponent the way that they did will be that turning point, but they still weren't extra sharp uh that past game so going against you have to go into dallas playing as a good dallas defense your defense which strength was stopping the run against the running backs has been gashed as of late now adrian peterson outside of that 190 yard run didn't do too much but he also wound up with only nine carries on the day because the redskins fell behind so what would have happened if he actually got his normal work amount with say like 18 or say maybe 20 to 22 touches or carries i should even say with possibly 28 to 30 touches because he catches the ball so damn much for Ezekiel Elliott. Elliott's going to have a big game this year. You're not worried about that. So that's going to be the thing you have to watch. Eagles defense not going to be a stream you're going to want to have this particular week either. I'm not loving Carson Wentz's ceiling this week. I'm not I'm not loving Josh's Adams ceiling this week. Now volume for both of those guys gives them a decent uh, service floor play for Wentz at quarterback and for Josh Adams at running back. But I think Adams is no more than a flex uh, guy, this particular week. And I think Carson Wentz is a top end QB too, but I do think there's a good chance that he does not fall into the quarterback one uh, conversation at the end of this week as well. Also, Jeffrey's been a ghost for like three weeks now. I don't know how you can trust him. I don't know if you can bench him, though, if you have any other better options either. He's still the number one slated wide receiver. He still should be one of the top red zone targets. uh But as far as pass catchers go, the only guy who I. Trust to definitely do what he's supposed to do would be Zach Ertz. Outside of that, I don't know. Golden Tate finally showed up production-wise. Like The target share had been there, and I do think the target share will continue to be there in this game as well. But from a production standpoint, I don't know what you're going to really expect out of Golden Tate. He's not a guy who ever scored on a consistent basis to begin with. So you're looking for him as a PPR That I do think he is a wide receiver three with a high floor in PPR leagues this week. But in standard leagues, I might leave him on the bench for another week, even though he had a nice game there against the Washington Redskins a week ago. The Cowboys defense, as of late, has been playing a lot better than the Redskins defense has. So I would take that into consideration. Uh, and and just, just, to, just to put a pin on uh, Alshon Jeffrey, if you don't have better options, I understand. But I would look to see if there's a better ceiling player out there in a playoff matchup. Because I do not trust his ceiling in this game. And quite frankly, I think he has a very low floor as well. For the Dallas Cowboys side, of course you're playing Elliott. We talked about that, and of course you're playing Amari Cooper. This is a great matchup for him. The Eagles are still playing their JV squad at their secondary position because they got nobody left back there. They play corners Uh, Dak Prescott I do think is going to be a streaming option. I still think you're going to root for him to run or need him to run to help supplement his fantasy value to get the ceiling that you would potentially want. But in this matchup against that secondary where he should be able to throw the ball with more ease than he has for the past few weeks and has gotten better throwing the ball since Amari Cooper has stepped onto the field for this team. I do think Dak Prescott could be one of the top end streaming quarterbacks if he's been going that route for this particular matchup as well. I'm not trusting any Else on the Dallas Cowboys to play in my lineup for this week. All right, our next matchup here we have the Steelers and we have the Oakland Raiders. Uh obviously you play your Steelers. Look, the big thing the story we're gonna talk about is Jalen Samuels and Steven Ridley. What's going on there, right? Well, Samuels comes out yesterday himself and says that he's gonna start the game, but there'll be a package for him and then Steven Ridley will get in there, and then they're going to split time like that. I do think that's going to be the intention at first, and I do think that, to me, that split that he's talking about when he said package, it kind of sounded to me like it would be a series by series thing at first, but make no mistake, Jalen Samuels is the better running back here. Steven Ridley, is, he used to be a little bit of an explosive runner. He's not an explosive runner anymore. He looks like an old man back there, but... Uh, Jalen Samuels catches the ball a hell of a lot more. So he's going to be on the field more. He's going to get more touches at the end of the day, even if they were to supposedly split through this game. But remember at the end of the day, if the Steelers can use one running back, that's what they prefer to do because they don't like to give away their plays. And it's a smart thing to do if you're able to do it. Uh, And Samuels has, even though he hasn't run that much, the carries he has gotten have actually been pretty effective as far as, as far as his efficiency goes. So, Jalen Samuels has an opportunity of the two of them. Jalen Samuels is definitely the one with the opportunity to take over at some point in this game, if need be. But I do think he will lose at least some work, especially in the first half, if he doesn't show the hot hand right away to Steven Ridley. But Jalen Samuels, I do think, is a solid RB2 against the Oakland Raiders for this particular week. Uh, and of course, you know, Big Ben, you're playing him as QB1, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Vance McDonald, definitely playing him at tight end as well. So all those guys would get into my starting lineup for my playoff matchups uh, as well. And if you were curious about an update on Ryan Switzer's injury, he did practice in full yesterday, so that's usually a pretty good sign that they will pass concussion protocol when players practice in full on Wednesdays right away. On the Raiders' side, the ball so Doug Martin winds up he did get banged up in that game no one talked about it after the game no one talked about it during the game he didn't miss any part of that game so no one knew why they signed CJ Anderson on Monday and if you listen to that podcast for me you know I was making fun of them for it because it didn't make any sense because we didn't know well we find out yesterday that apparently Doug Martin did aggravate his ankle injury apparently so that's why CJ Anderson was signed to the team I'm still a little bit hazy as to why you jumped to C.J. Anderson there just because you've been looking for excuses to get Washington the ball. Jalen Richard's has actually done pretty well when he's been given the opportunity. So I don't know why you had to own a third back. And it's not even clear that Doug Martin's definitely going to miss this week as of this point. So something just to keep in mind, um, the only position on the Raiders that does seem to put up points is the running back position. If you're going to pick one, it'd be Jalen Richard. But I'm pretty sure if you're in the playoffs, you have better options than trusting an Oakland Raider running back right now. Really, you have better options than trusting an Oakland Raider anything not named Jared Cook. Because I still think Jared Cook is a tight end one. Uh, he's the most consistent player for the Raiders. The Raiders are going to have to throw the ball in this game. I do think the Steelers win big here. So uh, Jared Cook will get his opportunity to continue to play him as a tight end one. Outside of that, I am touching anybody else uh, in Oakland. All right, next up, we got the Lions and we got the Cardinals. Talk about two struggling teams here. Look, big thing is, on Johnson still hasn't practiced this week, so I don't know if he's going to come back and play. I think they were pinning this game as the week that he was going to come back, and I don't know if that's going to be the case two days in a row. He's still not on the practice field, so there's a good chance he winds up missing. Uh, Kenny Galladay has been limited in practice all week long, but there's no concern about him missing on Sunday. And Matthew Stafford has had a knee issue where he's been limited in practice, at least yesterday. Uh, Also not concerned about him missing either. Bruce Ellington, back injury limited today in practice, but he was nothing more than a very low end PPR flex play anyway. Look, of the Lions... Theo Riddick is still, without on Johnson there, Theo Riddick is still a high-floor flex play because of his role that increases without on Johnson. LeGarrette Blunt is a touchdown-dependent flex player and somebody who I would not have in my lineup against the Arizona Cardinals even though they've been susceptible to the run for most of the year. I'm still not going to trust playing Blunt uh in my playoff matchups for this week, especially since he is so touchdown-dependent. Kenny Galladay is a guy on the lines who I'm playing... I think he's a wide receiver too. I know he hasn't put up as good enough. He didn't put up great numbers last week, but that was a that wound up being a pretty defensive game until the fourth quarter there. Uh, so I'm not too worried about it. He's still the number one wide receiver for Stafford. He's still the main red zone threat. So Kenny Galli to me is still a low end wide receiver two uh, to have in your fantasy lineups for the Lions, even in the matchup where the Arizona Cardinals secondary has actually been pretty good this year. The volume should still be there to up to make up for that. Now the question is here, David Johnson. You know, the big thing Byron Leftwich was doing was he was getting David Johnson not just involved in the running game, but was getting him involved in the passing game. And all of a sudden, the last two weeks, suddenly David Johnson hasn't been nearly involved in the passing game side of things. So it's been kind of disconcerting if you've had David Johnson and you thought you were finally getting the... He finally seemed like he was getting on a rise there and he was starting to get on a streak and it looked like you were going to be able to depend on David Johnson to at least give you low-end RB1 production. And now it's kind of going back the other way where you're sitting there like... I know he's still an RB2, so I have to play him, but it's like disappointing every week to watch. And you're going up against the Detroit Lions, who since they've gotten Snack Harrison have actually been pretty decent against the run. So I don't I would definitely limit my ceiling on what your expectations are for David Johnson for this week. If he gets him back involved in the passing game, he can still have a pretty good game. Because you can still running backs out of the backfield against Detroit are still pretty successful, especially when Detroit's on the road. But if that doesn't happen and it's like last week where he only had two targets. It could be a long day again for David Johnson, but somebody who still needs to be in your starting lineup because he's still been a pretty solid RB2 all year long. Larry Fitzgerald, look, with Christian Kirk on IR, Larry Fitzgerald, there's just it's just more added volume to him. I'm not worried about Chad Williams stealing anything. Uh, so it's, he's going to have an opportunity to play head score a touchdown. I do think he's a bit touchdown dependent, but with Christian Kirk out, it pretty much opens up the door for David Johnson, for Larry Fitzgerald, so... The only drawback I would have is that Darius Slay is going to be shadowing Larry Fitzgerald, so I would limit what you think his yardage could be. But I do think there's a good opportunity he scores in this game. I think he's a... Touchdown dependent wide receiver three flex play uh, for this matchup. And I would be okay playing Larry Fitzgerald because the volume uh, might be there. Not playing Ricky Steele Jones whatsoever. So now we got the Rams and the Chicago Bears in the Monday, uh, not the Monday, um, excuse me, Sunday night. The Sunday night game should be a really good one uh, to have as a Sunday night game got yeah, a top-end offense going against a top-end defense with a decent offense and uh, going against a team with a decent defense now that to Tlaib is back there's not too much to talk about the Rams because you're going to play your guys right like the Bears have for as good of a defense they have been they have let up points to quarterbacks and wide receivers in fantasy football they're susceptible on the perimeter so you're going to play Jared Goff he's the one who got you there in the first place he's been a QB one uh, Todd Gurley enough said Uh, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, they have good matchups. The corners of the Bears on the outside are not the greatest in the world. They're not bad, but they're not great, so they should be able to get their opportunities. I would maybe shy away from Josh Reynolds in this game because I don't know if this is going to be a particularly high-scoring game. It has a potential where it could be, but being that it's in Chicago and it's going to be really cold and it's going to be windy that night, I don't know if it's going to be a high-scoring game. I would probably leave Josh Reynolds out of your lineups. On the Bears side of the ball, I would actually stay away from Trubisky. It's his first week back from his shoulder injury. We don't know exactly how sharp he's going to look how much velocity he's going to have so I would actually stay away from Trubisky in this matchup as far as a streaming quarterback goes I'd also stay away from Jordan Howard because I do think this is a game where the Bears gonna to have to score more than they're not and Howard hasn't been that great as of late maybe he gets an opportunity to score a touchdown but they've been using him they've been using Tariq Cohen and him more and more and because his volume has gone down his production for fantasy purposes has dropped considerably as well I just don't think Jordan Howard offers you much as far as the ceiling goes. Now, you may not have a better option, but I'm going to guess if you've had Jordan Howard on your team and you made the playoffs, you probably have other options to throw. So I would leave Jordan Howard out of your lineups or at the most, maybe in a flex position. Tariq Cohen, I do think, is going to be the number one Bears running back to have in fantasy football for this particular week. Uh He should be with the corners back. I do think he's going to be the easy dump-down guy. If Trubisky's shoulder is hurting him and he's he's having some problems going down the field with velocity, he's just all the more reason he's going to dump the ball off. We know Cohen, when he gets the opportunities, he can take one to the house. So I do think Tariq Cohen is a high-end flex play with a low-end RB2 in PPR leagues. Allen Robinson, I think he has more value in a PPR league than a standard league, of course, but he does have the opportunity to score. He's always got that big body. He is the number one wide receiver. He should get 8 to 10 targets in this game, which should give him the volume that he needs to at least have a high floor for you, even if he does not score. Now, I'm not trusting Taylor Gabriel or Anthony Miller in this game, and if I can help it, I'm not going to trust Trey Burton either. Last game of the podcast, we have the Minnesota Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks here. Luckily, not so many injuries to talk about. In Monday night game, it always gets a little bit tricky when there are, so you don't have to worry about that. I like Dalvin Cook a lot in this game. Look, we just saw Jeff Wilson Jr. do a damage against the Seattle Seahawks in the passing game. And before last week, I don't think anybody even knew who Jeff Wilson Jr. was. Dalvin Cook has been getting volume again. Like I said, unless the Vikings are in a position to close out the game in the fourth quarter, Latavius Murray does not get... Carries. That is Dalvin Cook's backfield and he did have eight catches last week. It only went for 20 yards, but he did have eight catches last week. So I do like Dalvin Cook a lot in this matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. I think he'll have an opportunity to show his explosiveness. I think he's a low-end RB2, high-end flex play, but somebody who definitely can play in lineups and you can trust is going to have a decent game for you at the end of the day. Of course, you're playing Stephon Diggs. Of course, you're playing Adam Thielen. There's no questions there. And of course, you're sticking with Kirk Cousins as your QB1 as well. The volume has... Can just continue to be there for him to put up fantasy numbers. Kyle Rudolph, you may not have better options, but he kind of lumps down into the lower end of the tight end ones. The higher end of the tight end two situation just hasn't been as much of a factor in that offense. And I guess the Seattle Seahawks, I don't think he's suddenly become the red zone target that you've been waiting him to be. So pick your matchups wisely when it comes to the tight end position. On the Seahawks side of the ball, Chris Harrison is going to be good to go. The dislocated finger, we kind of already talked about it on Monday. He's going to be fine. He's going to play. This is not a good matchup for him, though. However, being how the season has gone, I don't know if you have too many options that are going to be better than Chris Carson in your playoff matchup, but I do think he's going to be more of a flex than an RB2. I just don't think he has a very high ceiling. I think the odds of him going over 100 yards are very low in this game against the Minnesota Vikings. He may have an opportunity to score a touchdown if they get in close Uh, and the Seahawks have been the number one rushing team they have found a way against tough teams before but the the Vikings have been have gotten healthy number one but number two have been playing much better defense over the past six weeks than they were earlier on in this season so just temper your expectations if you have to play Chris Carson in this game I also would stay away from Doug Baldwin completely. This isn't a matchup where Doug Baldwin may find a way to get where you can trust that there's an opportunity for him to find his way into the end zone. I would stay away from him altogether. I would stay away from a lot of the wide receivers. If you need to play Tyler Lockett because you need to try to hit a home run threat, that's the only guy I would consider in my flex or wide receiver three position. But preferably, I would have a better option that I could trust a little bit more. I don't love the way Seattle throws the ball against this Minnesota Vikings team in this game. That's why I also don't love Russell Wilson in this matchup. I would think if you're in the playoffs, you probably have picked up a better quarterback than Russell Wilson at this point. All right. So that's going to wrap up the full preview of week 14. Remember, I'm not going to be around tomorrow for you guys. So there's not going to be a part two, but I will be around to answer any of your questions at MDFF show on Facebook and on Twitter. And also, uh, at MDFF show on Twitter for the player up to date notifications. That will be going all weekend long. Make sure you're subscribed to that to get all the information you need. Remember, last Friday was big news time and had a lot of fantasy implications. So anything could happen at any given moment. None of us saw that coming as well. And if you want to listen to this episode or any others in the future or in the past, www.mdfantasyfootball.podbean.com. Also available on iTunes, Simplecast, Radio Public, anywhere you go for your podcast needs. The MD Fantasy Football Show is available. To you. I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I will see you guys on Monday.
4: There's a difference between do it yourself and do it for a living. At the Home Depot, we get that. And we're here to help pros get the job done with the products and brands you trust. Technology to keep your job on track, job site delivery to save you time. At bulk pricing on over 4,000 items every day to save you money. When you've got a job, we're on the job. The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at The Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at The Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.